We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Right, Ninja Glenn Mack now. It is a snowy Saturday in the Delaware Valley. I think it's done. It's not. Uh, actually, it is snowing where I am. Never mind. Snowing in Havertown, Ray. Still snowing in Center City? It's snowing here at 30th Street. Okay, well. Uh, it's actually snowing pretty hard here. Okay. I know you're walking home afterwards, so I hope that all works out easily for you. Um, uh, this Week in Philadelphia Sports History is brought to you by Scheib Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Check out all their great stuff, including the Kelly Green Eagles gear at their Center City location or at ScheibSports.com. Speaking of Kelly Green, this is the anniversary, Ray. 36 years ago today. God, I'm sure you wrote this story. Oh, I did. The Eagles move on as Swamp Fox. He gets fired toward the end of the year in 85, and then Norman Brayman needs to hire a new coach, and the Bears are in the Super Bowl, and was it Brayman read a New York Times story? Is that what it was? Yeah, he read a, read a, a Dave Anderson column in the, ah, in the New York Times, Times about the uh, – because that, that was the year of the great Bears team. That was the yep. year of the Bears Super Bowl team, and you know that was a team that was really driven by its defense. And Dave Anderson, who knew – Buddy Ryan from Buddy Ryan's days when he was an assistant coach under Weeb Eubank with the Jets. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave and Buddy had some history. So Dave went and wrote this big glowing New York Times piece about Buddy Ryan, the, the master, the wizard of the 46 defense. And of course, Norman Brayman, Norman, Norman Brayman never read the Philly papers, but he always read the New York Times. Yeah, and he read that and said, that. oh, okay. Yeah, I'll get Ryan. along with this guy. Yeah. So he ripped that out, put it in his back pocket and at the end of the year, when he pulled the plug on the Swamp Fox, he went looking for Buddy Ryan. Now, I came the same year as Buddy Ryan, and I have to tell you, I really enjoyed him um, just because I think he, he really made the Eagles a lot of fun. I did not cover the team on a regular basis. I did a couple. Actually, you know, the first story I ever did for the Philadelphia Inquirer, not the first, but just among the first, was I went out to uh, a Ribbit restaurant downtown. Remember the Ribbit place? Sure. Right? And Buddy Ryan did the Buddy Ryan show with Steve Fredericks. And they said, you know, kind of just do a, like, you know, live on the scene kind of thing. And I just remember, and I, I think I might have led with this. There was a woman there. Buddy had just started, right? He, like, he was brand new. Uh, this was in the fall, not the spring. But it's just when he was, start, you know, when about, the season was about to start. I think it was preseason. And he's doing the show. And a woman was in the crowd, and she had a T-shirt that said, my two favorite teams are the Eagles and whoever's playing the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And Buddy... He said, like, yeah, that's right. That's right. And, like, he got it. And you know how much he, he played the cowboy thing. Oh, sure. And so I'm going to play two cuts, and then I want to talk about Buddy with you. And these are one of the things that some people loved Buddy for and some people really despised Buddy for. 
1987 season, the uh, NFL had a had a basically a, a strike, and the um, some players crossed the line, and the, the league kept going with scab players, and Dallas Cowboys had a lot of guys cross the lines, a lot of their first teamers, right? Mm-hmm. And they rubbed Hall the Eagles of Famers in, for God's sakes. Yeah, Tony Dorsett, Tony Dorsett, Randy right? White. Yeah, you know, I mean they 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 had a bunch of guys in, including some guys that are in Canton right now. Yeah, and they and the Eagles had like a bunch of guys that worked at a truck stop or you know loaded produce, and all of a sudden they're playing in the NFL, and it was ridiculous. And the Cowboys crushed them. And so when they when they came back, the Eagles beat them at the vet, but beating the Cowboys wasn't enough. So, right toward the end of the game, the Eagles have the ball. They're going into victory formation. Seconds remaining on the clock. Eagles have won it. But Buddy decides that's not enough. So, let's go right to it. The few teams that had nobody cross the picket line. They built confidence and closeness during that period. And a victory here today over Dallas certainly will only improve that. Now, Cunningham's going to throw it to Cook. By the way, you know what I noticed in that? Those stupid horns. Yes. Remember, you used to hear those things all the time before they banned Villasul. I forget what they were, Villasilias or something like that. Yeah. Say it again. Say it on the air, Dan. Vuvuzelas. They were in the beginning of the World Cup. I'm very impressed that you know that. But there you go. Um, Okay. So that leads to, by the way, that is uh, Tim Ryan and Joe Theismann on the call. Okay. Uh, And so that leads to the very next play. And here you go. Salt in the wound job. What really irked you, Ryan, that day was the first-team defense of those veterans, Randy White and Jones and Smirik, coming in with the Cowboys holding a commanding lead and time winding down. If there, if there wasn't bad blood before, there's going to be bad blood now. Byers. Keith Byers runs it in uh, to, as they said, rub salt in the wound. And, Ray, I have to tell you, I, I was new to town. I was just trying to figure out Eagles fans and this city and what it was about. And, I, and I, you know, I always hated the Cowboys. And I loved it. <laughs> and I know that you don't. No, no, I didn't. I but, you, I mean, you weren't alone. You're a I lot mean, classier than I am. The fans, you know, the fans really got – the fans loved it. You know, that was uh, – um, you know, for Buddy, and you're right, Buddy got it right away about uh, how the fans here felt about the Cowboys because he felt the same way about the Cowboys. He didn't like Landry either. He had his own history with Landry, and he didn't like Landry. Um, so he was perfectly happy to 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 jump right on board with uh, with how the fans felt about the Cowboys. And, um, yeah, I mean, that was uh, that was just Buddy's M.O. I mean, he was, uh, uh, he was a guy that would just uh, poke his, you know, poke his finger in your eye whenever just just for laughs and uh in philadelphia the fans loved him for it it really did yeah um i was not i was less i i was less enamored with it but uh i I fully i fully i fully understood um that he was very he was very canny uh in the fact that he knew he he got he got a feel for philadelphia right away uh and uh he understood what these fans wanted and 
listen, he brought a real, no question, he brought a real rough, tough, you know, nasty approach to football, which plays very well in this town. And and he was catching the Cowboys at a good time because the Cowboys were sort of on their way down. Under yeah, Landry, Landry was, was kind of near the end. And so, you know, it, it, the, the timing of it all worked out for Buddy. I mean, he was, he, was, he was kind of the right coach at the right time. Yeah, and he, I mean, I forget what his career record was against the Cowboys. It was like, you know. Ten and two, or eight and two, or something. It was he always beat the Cowboys, and it's one of the reasons that we loved him. And he was blustery, and he was loud, and he could be obnoxious. But his players certainly loved him. I mean, you know how Seth Joyner felt about him, and Reggie and Clyde, and that defense. And it was a defense that we loved. It wasn't. It wasn't this soft. Let's bend but not break. Oh, we'll make him go down the field in fifteen plays. It wasn't that kind of defense? It was a defense like, okay, let's punch him in the mouth, and then when he gets up, let's punch him in the mouth again. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that thoroughly, Ray. Yeah, well, they were. Um, I love that defense. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, Buddy had a style, uh, and uh, he had a philosophy that uh, that he brought here. And it. And the other thing that Buddy had was he had, he had a real ability to uh, identify his kind of player. And um, when Buddy, you know, Buddy, listen, when Buddy drafted offensive players, he he made some mistakes, <laughs> but. When he drafted defensive players, he was generally spot on. I mean, he could watch a tape college player, and he could say, "That's my kind of player." Remember and, Golick telling us, and about he was that. almost, and he was almost never wrong with with right. the guys he drafted on defense, and including guys that he found deep in the draft, like Seth and like Clyde Simmons, and mm-hmm. you know people like that. And you know, I mean, he found he found Eric Allen in the second round when a lot of people didn't, people weren't thinking of him being that high a pick, but Buddy just loved him when he saw him on tape and brought him in here. And he was the perfect cornerback for that defense. So, you know, Buddy knew defense, and he, was, he had an ability to identify his kind of players. And uh, he brought a lot of them to Philadelphia in those years. And defensively, they, they were the best team in the league for a period of about three or four years, no question. So that is our Scheib Sports this week in Philadelphia sports history. And, uh, by the way, now through the end of the show, best caller, Ray. Uh, Dan Wilson, you're going to be the judge today. Best caller gets a $50 gift card, card to Scheib Sports. Very good. Let's go to Larry in Ridley Park. You're on with Ray and Glenn. Hey, Larry. Well, how you doing today? We're good. Hey, Ray, I'd like to pose a question to you. I guess you've seen a few of the draft boards that have come out already, especially Daniel, um, uh, Jeremiah. Uh-huh. Ray, if you were the GM and you had 15, 16, and 19, right now today, Ray, what would be your three picks? Well, I don't know. You know, it's it's tough, Larry, because I don't know who's on the board. I, you know, I, okay. I don't know. I don't. I don't know who's still available. But I'm. I can tell you the areas I'm looking. I would probably. You know, certainly one would be an edge rusher. One would be a linebacker, and one would be mm, probably a defensive back. Probably a safety. Okay. Let me give you a few names. Do you think Jordan Davis will be there and Nakobe Dean? Uh, I've seen some. I've seen some uh, projections about Kobe Dean being a much later pick, like first round, but late in the first round, I find that hard to believe. I mean, to me, he's such a good player. I, I, I'd, I'd be shocked if he got out of the top 12, but I'd be delighted. I mean, if he was on the board and I'm picking for the Eagles, I, I absolutely would pick him. And Jordan Davis is, uh, you know, uh, he's, a, he's a big, wide-body player uh, and a really good run stuffer, and they could use another one of those guys well, on this defensive line. Well, I, saw, I right. saw him play a ton at Georgia. Yeah. Daniel Jeremiah had at 15. He had uh, was a, a Carafastis, the TN from, yeah, from, from, uh, from Purdue, from Purdue. Yeah, and then he had the receiver from USC. Uh, oh, he had Drake London. Oh gosh, Drake I London. Yeah, I, I would. And thanks, Larry. 
I listen, there's a lot of positions the Eagles can draft. I hope to hell they don't draft another wide receiver in the first round uh, with three picks or with whatever. I don't care if they have 21 picks. I would love to see him sign a really good, proven veteran free agent wide receiver. Mm-hmm. There are some that look like they'll hit the market. I think that would be great. Um, I love the idea of if you have three picks and they're all whatever they are. What is it, 16, 19, 20, whatever it is, something like it's that? It's 15, 16, 19. 15, 16, 19. And I love the idea. One for each level of the defense. Yeah, that's right? what, that's that's how I would approach it. I, I love that idea. I, I bet you it doesn't happen. I would be very surprised if they keep those three picks in those spots. How he's going to make a trade. How he's got cards, he's going to make a trade. Yeah, I mean that's his. I mean that's his mo. And um, you know he he he's not a he he's not a. I'm just going to sit here and and take my turn kind of guy. You know he loves to trade. He loves to wheel and deal. Sometimes sometimes it turns out well, as in trading up to get Devonte Smith. Uh, and then other times, trading back, not so good. Um, and that's how you wind up with uh, Marcus Smith. So um, I I but I I think that that's. If I were to guess right now, um, I definitely see them using those three picks, and I don't see them sitting there picking, picking all three at fifteen, sixteen, nineteen. I yeah. think he'll package a couple. He'll probably identify a player he really likes and package a couple of those picks to jump up to maybe somewhere in the top five, six to get the guy he really wants, and then hang on to that pick at nineteen and get the best player that's available on the board at that point. But the thing is, um, I'm not trading the picks. I'm hanging on to them and I'm using them to rebuild my defense. I'm with you. Tim and Elverson joins us. Tim, you're on with Ray and Glenn. Yeah, Glenn, uh, I just wanted to say that uh, I, th- I agree with Charles Barkley that, that Joel Embiid is the most dominant player in the NBA today. Yeah. But, but Will Chamberlain scoring 50 points a game without a three-point line, you know, he is the best of all time. I'm not arguing with you. Although, yeah. as Ray said, it's tough. To, it's it's like arguing, you know, who who's better, a player today or Babe Ruth, right? I mean, it's right, right, right. These are really and, hard and, arguments to have. So, if you just judge a guy by the dominance of his era, right, what was it? But I think, I think how it becomes a comparison now is what you are seeing in this stretch in this season is a wilt like year. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Okay. And, and also, also, you and Ray are obviously the most knowledgeable and most human, human empathy uh, people on that station, and, and you have a great show. Oh, that's very and nice. I, of you. And I would like to apologize to Glenn for gripping his hand several years ago and telling him that he sucked. Because he doesn't <laughs> suck, he's the best. Well, thank you. I don't. I don't remember the episode, but you would. You would be neither the first or the last person who told me that. But I, I will. I will take the compliment and appreciate that. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, it's. I mean, it's happened to me in my lifetime, you know. And, and listen, people are allowed to like you or not like you. Well, Although, I, you know what though? I know I'll, give him, I'll give him credit if he said it to me to my face. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, that's that. that that's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah, if he's come around or I've grown on him or whatever, that's that's great. Too. If somebody has if somebody has an issue with me, they can always come up and tell me. And yeah. and they do. And yeah. they do. But I, I I I have to say that you know, What's we the you meanest and I, thing anybody's going to say about you, Ray. No, you know, you'd, Ray, you'd, you'd be surprised. You're too smart. You'd, you'd be you'd be surprised. But no one has ever called us up to 
to compliment us on our humanity and our empathy until we had Marv McNeil on. Oh, there's no. Question. I think I think I think I think it having your I think I think having your dad these last three weeks <laughs> oh, yeah. has changed has changed the whole has ho- changed the whole nature of our show. Oh, no question about it. <laughs> I have to think of excuses to keep having my dad on, but you know, <laughs> I, I don't think I can get him to break down a Super Bowl if the Bills aren't there. But uh, listen, I love my dad, and it's a privilege to to have him. And by the way, I don't know. Hopefully, you can't hear. This. I'm doing the show from home uh, today, which I appreciate the opportunity. I don't have to drive downtown. But I have uh, a couple of minutes ago, I had a, a crying nineteen-month-old uh, wandering around. You didn't hear him on the air, did you? No, we didn't. Okay, good. That's good. I got it, Ray. I got him. Generation ahead, generations behind. They're all wandering around here, and and you know what? I love it. That's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Art in Art Carney is on. Oh, Art and Carney's point. Hey, Art. I'm sure you've heard that joke too many times. Countless <clears throat> times. Hey, yeah. look. Um, a couple things. One, you, you guys were talking about um, African-American coaches and who's been interviewed and who hasn't been, but you didn't mention Deuce Staley. Is he, is he off the campaign trail to be a head coach, or what's going on there? Uh, as far as I know, I have not seen his name in any of the interviews. Um, but, you know, I know that uh, he, and, um, he and Dan Campbell really hit it off in Detroit this year. And I know it was a difficult season for the Lions, as Lions seasons tend to be. But one thing about that Lions team is they fought every week. I mean, they played right. They played hard right to the end. I mean, unlike the Giants, who just totally packed it in with three weeks to go. I mean, the Lions were still playing hard right to the very end. And it's a credit to the coaching staff. It's a credit to Dan Campbell because the players clearly like playing for him. And I guarantee you that Deuce Staley had something to do with that. Um, I, I have said before, and I still believe that Deuce – will be a head coach in the NFL at some point. I really think that uh, – I think, I think he'll be good at it. Uh, it's just a matter of him getting the opportunity, and I think he will get the opportunity. But I have not seen him – I have not seen him out on the trail doing interviews for this, for this particular round of job openings. Right. I, I haven't heard it either. I, I, so I guess he's just happy where he's at for the time being is, is, is what you get out of all that, right? Sort of seems that way. I mean, uh, I saw him interviewed a couple times this year. I haven't talked to him since – and, uh, since he went out there, since we had him for Tell Us Your Story before he went out there and took the job. Uh, but uh, he seemed to be he seemed to be really enjoying Detroit, and he certainly seemed to be enjoying working with Dan Campbell. He is the assistant head coach out there, uh, and he was saying that they were giving him a lot more opportunities to be involved in personnel decisions and uh, exposing him to things within the organization beyond just coaching a position. Well, so, um, I, so, I, so, I think it's, so I think it's really good preparation for him I know I know he'll get interviewed again, and I hope that the next time he gets interviewed that he gets the job because I really I want him to have that opportunity because I think he's going to be very successful. He's got a nice opportunity coming up, um, which is that he is going to be head coach next week of the uh, – what's the college uh, game going on? The college all-star game, the Senior Bowl. He's going to be coach uh, head coach of the Senior Bowl. Dan Campbell, I don't understand how this works. The Lions staff is coaching the uh, American squad, whatever that means, and the Jets staff is guiding the national squad. So you've got to be like a bad team to have your guys coach it. And Dan Campbell said, Deuce, you're going to be the guy to call the plays for our team. So that's a little nice showcase for him. It is. It is. And I think he'll be um, – having him coaching at the Senior Bowl is a really good thing because he'll, he'll do a really good job telling these guys, and when you go to the Senior Bowl, all the guys in the Senior Bowl, they're all headed for the NFL. I mean, there's, you know, you, if you've been invited to the Senior Bowl, you're going to be in an NFL camp. And so Deuce will do a really good job of coaching them into this game 
and coaching them through the weeks of practice, but also off the field, just telling them what they need, how how to prepare themselves for their first NFL training camp. You know what to expect when you mm-hmm. move up to the next level. You know Deuce Deuce has lived that both as a player and a coach, and you know he'll be coaching them in all aspects of things. And you know I know I know Deuce has the ability to command a room, and I know that those uh, those senior bowl players will learn a lot just being around him for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that's nice, and we're we are all rooting for him. Uh, speaking of Telsha's story, and he was a great guest when we had him. Uh, coming up at noon, Earl the Pearl, Black Jesus, Earl Monroe from Bartram High School will be our guest on Tell Us Your Story. Coming up next, Ray, what we're watching. And I always love to give people shows that I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this week I watched a show that I didn't love so much. But, you know, it's what I'm watching. So maybe I'll warn people off it. Okay. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. He's Ray Dinger. I'm Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. All right, Ray, before I get to what we're watching, I just I, got, I have to thank a couple people. So I'm, I'm uh, home, working from home. And as you know, I got this back injury right now, which has been, you know, bugging me and slowing me down. And I'm dealing with it, and I'm doing some physical therapy that's helping, but whatever. This morning, my neighbor, Ron, comes by and shovels my walkway from the street to my front door. Wow. And just like, just like does, I live in the greatest neighborhood in the world, Ray. I have the greatest neighbors in the world. Ron just like, he just did it and did the sidewalk. And now, and as I, I'm should, doing, I should point, I should point out to somebody that hasn't been to your house that you're on a corner. Yeah, I got a lot of sidewalks. So you're driving, so your sidewalk goes from one side all the way around yeah. the corner to the other side of the house. So that's, a that, lot of that is a lot of shoveling. And he did it all. And Ron just did it all. And so now. As I'm doing the show with you, I look out the window of my office in my house where I can see kind of behind me my driveway. And my other neighbor is uh, Mike Maxwell is snow blowing my driveway. And it's like they're the nicest people in the world. So I just want to thank them. Well, you're well, never moving. Yeah, I'm, I mean, you know, in, you I'm, great, I'm staying in this house forever. No, I mean you're you have a great community out there. You know, neighbors, you, people have been there for a long time, and you've uh, you've really formed a great little community there. And you know, you do your part. I mean, you certainly entertain. You have a lot of uh, cookouts and gatherings in yeah, your backyard. So you, you, you've done your share. I do, but I, I don't know if they're just being nice or taking pity on the old man or what. But I I appreciate it. All right, what we're watching is sponsored by Guided Door and Window. Take advantage of Guided Door and Windows. Big winter sale through January. Receive 40% off. 4-0. All windows and doors. Call 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit GoGuida, G-U-I-D-A.com. Ray, I am a big fan of Harlan Co- 
Coban novels. Uh, Jody McDonald actually turned me on to his cop mysteries. They're great, like beach reads, summer reads, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. He's good. Uh, and a lot of Coban's uh, novels have been adapted to TV. He's got an ongoing deal with Netflix. I think 14 of his books are going to be turned into series. And I've seen some, and I've loved them. Um, Tell No One, The Stranger, The Five. These are all books of his that have been adapted to kind of really good, pulpy, in a fun way, bring out the popcorn, five, six-episode mysteries that, you know, you'll binge them for a week or two and, and you enjoy them. Not this new one. Stay Close is the name of it. Stay Close on Netflix. Very familiar setup. Um, a woman has this idyllic suburban life. She's got three kids and a 20-year relationship with the man she loves, beautiful house, the whole thing, right? And she's, However, she has changed her name, her identity. She disappeared long ago, Ray, from a, a sordid secret past. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden that secret past suddenly rears its ugly head. Mm. Right? Familiar. Several people start turning up dead, uh, all with a connection to what she was doing those decades ago. She gets a mysterious note at her door with her old, her former name on it, showing that somebody out there knows who she is and where to find her. And You don't exactly know what happened all those years ago, but they give the audience these quick flashbacks with, like, you know, slashed bloody corpse that's like something bad happened. And all of this could make for a great mystery and should. And as I said, Harlan Coban writes these great page turners and the TV adaptations have worked, but not Stay Close, not this one. Um, They try to make it a bingy series. Each episode ends with a cliffhanger, but it all falls apart because I think bad direction – it's it, it's like I'm sitting there watching my wife go like, wait, what was that the guy in the other scene? Like, what's this guy involved? With? I don't know. How does this fill in? And you get confused. It doesn't really follow. Uh, there's a series of plot coincidences that just become too damn unbelievable by the third episode. Um, how does every character in this series seem to have connected with each other all those years ago and now again? And by the end, uh, the surprise payoff to the whole thing is – it's not. It's more than anticlimactic. It's just silly. Um, it is. It's the kind of show that should have ended up on on Lifetime Network as opposed to Netflix, which usually does some great stuff. And by the way, no offense to to a, a friend of ours who writes for Lifetime Network. So I say uh, skip it. Uh, Harlan Coben stuff is good. By the way, he's from New Jersey, and most of the novels take place in New Jersey. But this one, they moved to England and. Some draw Australian, whatever, for TV. And it all should be fun, but I give a D-plus to stay close on Netflix. Okay. And if you want to watch Harlan Coban, I'll give you, again, find the previous ones they did. Tell No One, The Stranger, which I liked a lot, and The Five, which I, all three of those are really good. You can find those on Netflix. Stick with those. Did you uh, read the articles this week that they've made a movie, um, a Netflix movie? Uh, about Sean Payton? Yeah, with Kevin James? With Kevin James. What's the... I mean, why? Uh, It's uh, called Home Team, and it's about the year that he got suspended uh, for um, Bounty Gate. Are they going to make him sympathetic, are they? Uh, I guess somewhat, because it... it, it, And I'm guessing this is based on truth, that uh, he's suspended uh, and wasn't allowed back in the complex, and so... 
he went uh, and rejoined his family. I guess it, sound, it seems like he had a previous family that uh, there was a divorce and he was estranged from his son. Uh, and he goes and he goes and rejoins them and coaches uh, and reunites with his son by coaching his son's Pop Warner team. And um, uh, and so they made this into a uh, they've made this and no no names are changed. I mean he's he's Sean Payton, but he's being played by Kevin James and. Uh, um, there have been a couple. I I knew nothing about it. Uh, I maybe I missed it, or maybe they just have waited a long time to publicize it, or maybe they waited no, this I'd week for his it. announcement. I'd, uh, yeah, I'd seen it like a couple months ago. I saw Kevin James, kind of in makeup and costume, looking like Sean Payton, and I saw the announcement of it. And at the time, I thought, kind of weird. All right, I mean, I you know, I suppose I'll watch it because it's on TV, but I can't tell you, I'm, uh, like. I don't know who would approve that and why, but there you go. There you go. So, um, but yeah, it's called Home Team, and I guess I saw a couple articles about it this week. So I guess they're getting ready to uh, roll it out pretty soon. So if you if you got Netflix and you're a Netflix watcher, uh, check it out. Okay. Uh, Kevin in North Wildwood is on. Wants to talk about NFL overtime. What do you got, Kev? Yeah. Hello. Uh, let hey. me go on. Let me come off speaker. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to chime in that um, I have to believe that the NFL will uh, change that rule uh, in that I haven't heard anybody uh, not have a problem with the current rule. And I, I just can't believe that they, they won't change that. Uh, it's got to be like top on their list that they will give the other team a chance. Because Well, Ray, do you think the NFL has a problem with it? Um. I think or a better solution. I, I, I think that I think that this game, the way this game ended, seemed so unsatisfying. And I mean, we've we've seen games end like this before, but there's never been sort of an outcry nationally. Local right. fans, you know, fans of teams that got lost games like this have said something, but it kind of got it kind of came and went. But this one, because of the nature of the game and because of the huge audience and because of the way it ended, and everybody was kind of amazed at what these two young quarterbacks were doing. To see the game end without Josh Allen getting a chance to answer uh, has brought an awful lot of people into the discussion. So, you know, at the league meetings this year when the owners meet and the competition committee meets, I guarantee it will be on the table. Now, I don't know that it's going to change, but it's certainly going to be discussed more openly than it has in the past. And um, if I could ask a question and then one one other point. Um, Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, and and you guys are maybe too young for this, but did they not in the NFL – play in, in overtime play a full 15 minute quarter do you recall? i was a kid they had ties no uh in playoffs oh in playoffs i'm sorry in playoffs yeah okay did they did they not uh that's right they did have play uh ties in regular season but yeah am i am i not uh, no they when, yeah you're right yeah they did had they not they, play a full quarter yes and then another quarter if, if it was still yeah. tied Correct. Yeah, the yep. longest the longest game ever played was the 1971 playoff game between Miami and Kansas City. Oh, I remember that game. That Whatever. went uh, that went game. through it went through a full quarter, yeah. and then they had to start another quarter, and that was where it ended with uh, a Gary Apremian field goal. Uh, by the way, Ray uh, Rich McKay of the Atlanta Falcons is the chairman of the rules committee. Uh, Stephen Jones of Dallas is on the committee. John Mara of the Giants. Got every like every NFC and Ron Rivera of Washington. Every NFC East team is represented except the Eagles. Ozzie Newsom, I respect. Frank Reich, I respect. Mike Tomlin, Mike Vrabel. Some smart guys on that committee. Mm-hmm. 
We'll see if they uh, if they choose to address it. It used to be uh, back in the day. Don Shula was the was the head of that. Uh, that was sort of his. Yes, that was yes, that was yes, sort of his yes. bailiwick. I'll tell you who should. I'll tell you who should have been on it for the longest time. And he wasn't much for going on committees, but it would be would have been Parcells. Because oh, I, I can't see him working. In a committee. Yeah, because I, I I honestly, in all my experience of all my years of dealing with coaches, yeah. I, sometimes one of the things that amazed me was how little they understood the rules. How I, I'm, yeah, it just baffled me that sometimes I'd be talking to a coach and he would say something. I said, "Well, that's not right. That the, that, no, that's not the rule." Mm-hmm. And they'd say, "Really?" I mean, it, it was stunning to me how many coaches didn't really know the rule book. But I'll tell you, Parcells knew it backwards and forwards. Oh, I'm sure. The Probably two the two the coaches point. who had the best grasp of the rules were Parcells and Shula. Now Shula was ahead of the competition committee and right. He wrote so, the rules. But um, but Parcells just didn't you know didn't want to be bothered. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that's not he's not a committee kind of guy, and and I know it's not a coach. But Ray, we once had a quarterback in this town that didn't know that a game could end in a tie. I remember that. Uh, one quick thing before we go to the break. Don't forget, coming up at noon, tell us your story with Earl of Pearl Monroe. Uh, as you know, speaking of hoops, speaking of hoop legends, I am uh, part of Conchahokan Brewing Company, and uh, we just put out a new beer the other day. I don't usually bring that up on the air, but I am bringing this up for two reasons. One is it's a charity effort, and uh, a portion of all proceeds go to benefit Philadelphia youth basketball. And the reason for that connection is... Mark Zumoff. We did this beer with Mark Zumoff, oh. the legend. It's called Zooisms, uh, a hazy IPA, uh, three hops. You don't care about that. But um, on the can, Ray, we put all the Zooisms coming in for a landing and turning garbage and spinning garbage into gold and all those great things that Zumoff always said are all over the can. And you can find it at all of our locations. And, again, uh, proceeds to benefit Philadelphia youth basketball. So. I'm really proud of that one. You should be. All right. Uh, We'll take some more calls coming up, and we will get you to tell us your story at noon. Ray Dinger, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Ray Dinger, Glenn Mack now. Um, Speaking of great charity efforts, uh, Ray, um, when we do the Eagles pregame show live out in front of the stadium Mm -hmm. um, and the crowd starts coming in, that's always the most fun for me. Usually – the best part is when we have the Eagles alum on, right? And I'll always, as you know, ask the alum to lead the, the crowd in a chant or a cheer or even sing the Eagles song, which some have done, uh, and really well. And um, what I always appreciate, there's a guy who works down there at the games. His name is Ben. And what Ben always does is he just whips the crowd into a frenzy, <laughs> waving his arms and cheering, and, and I love him. And, I, you know, I, I haven't seen him since the end of the year. And Ben is calling now because he's involved with the Eagles Autism Challenge, and I wanted to give him the opportunity What's to up, talk about Glenn? it. What's up, Glenn? How are you? Ray, do you see that energy right away? I What's hear up? it. Ben's the greatest. I'm great. Ben, how are you doing, my friend? Good, good. I just wanted to let everybody know, come on out to Newport Men tomorrow night, a uh, fundraiser for the Eagles Autism Challenge. All right, give it. let's get some details. Where and when one more time. So, Newport Men, sign in the donate, Newport Men, Seventy-six West Butler Avenue. All right, we're we're losing you a little bit, so I'm going to tell people it is the New Britain Inn. It's on Butler Pike in New Britain. Boy, Ben, you live way out in the sticks, don't you? It's in uh, Southmont, like out in Southmont area. Yes, Southmont. they're having yes. a uh, a fundraiser dinner for the Eagles Autism Challenge uh, from five to eight tomorrow, and a good portion of the proceeds go to benefit the charity. 
And uh, listen, I know you're involved with it, and I'm I'm always delighted to to talk to you and help you out with it. And Ben, I hope you do great. Thank you very much. And go Eagles and watch the football game tomorrow night. E A G L E S Eagles. I love, love you, Ben. <laughs> I'll see you in August. You hear that, Ray? I hear it. He brings it every time. He's he's great. I know Ben. I know Ben. He's yeah. a he's a very enthusiastic fan. Yeah, he's terrific. All right, it is time to check in with our uh, doctor from Cooper Bone and Joint. Dr. David Gelt joins us on this snowy day. Hey, Doc, before we get to the question, I would imagine that on days like this or days after days like this, and, and my son's not an orthopedic surgeon, but he, he as yeah. you know, he's an ER doc, that mm-hmm. you get a lot of business from people who slip and fall on this ice and break, what, elbows, kneecaps, arms? What are they breaking? Wrists. Wrists, yeah. yeah. All of that back, stuff. Back pain, a lot of back pain. Right. So you watch the weather with this and think like, oh, this is going to be good for business. That's, that's funny. That's what my neighbor was saying while we were shoveling across the street. He said, you must love this. <laughs> All right. We're, I don't we're know about of, that, though. I, I want everybody I to be safe. Know. Yeah, we don't want anybody to get hurt. <laughs> I understand. Um, we got a different question for you today, and it's it's more theoretical than a specific injury. The Lakers came into town the other night. People in Philadelphia got very excited. It's the chance to see LeBron James come in this year. And then he sat for load management. He, I know he's got some aches and pains and stuff, so I don't, I don't mean to make it sound like it was based on nothing. But he, he sat for load management. Um, and we're seeing that a ton in the NBA these days. So I guess the question to you is, is it's an 82-game schedule. These guys play hard. They're traveling all the time. Um, plus, you know, they hope playoffs. Do you have an opinion mm-hmm. on um, – you know, players needing taking kind of rest on a regular basis during the season. Well, I mean, I think you take it case by case. You know, obviously, as uh, players age and get older, sometimes it takes longer to recover. You know, especially back-to-back games, or you know, uh, if they're traveling a lot, you just don't have time to recover a lot, and it's uh, it's difficult. You know, especially if they're still ailing an injury that they just want to get better. It's just sometimes hard to do that. So, I think with case by case, you know, we know with with Joel Embiid over the last couple of years, and we're doing that too. So you want to try to make sure that they're safe and they're okay for this, you know, the postseason. That's the, the main goal. So, you know, it's up to each uh, each team. But yeah, it's unfortunate for the away teams when they want to see a player play and they can't because he's sitting on the bench. Yeah. By the way, I just want to add one more thing before I give it to the Ray. The Lakers um, were on the front end of a back-to-back, so they played last night in Charlotte, and then they also played Sunday. So three games in four days. So that's part of it. Ray, you got a follow-up here? Yeah, um, I was just going to ask Dr. Gelt if um, – I'm sure you probably saw some, some if not all, of, of Brandon Brooks's farewell press conference where he announced he's retiring. Uh, mm-hmm. And he talked about the, the injuries that he suffered over the years, tears of both Achilles and a pectoral muscle and knee problems and all the things he's played through in 10 seasons in the NFL. Uh, and just kind of at the age of 32 just said, that's it. I just can't, I just can't give it anymore. Uh, I'm sure you as a doctor who's spent your life in sports medicine, I'm sure some fans were probably scratching their head and couldn't understand where this guy was coming from, but I'll bet you understood fully. Oh, yeah. I mean, his his injury record is, you know, substantial. And just to, you know, one Achilles injury is, is tough, and then you do multiple ones. It's just a it's a grind. The rehab is really tough. It's, you know, mentally it's very difficult. And as you know, football is a really tough sport. I mean, I think the average life, uh, you know, time they're 
players like three or four years of that, I guess. Right. So, you know, the fact that he played 10 years is, is a good amount of time. So, you know, we, we cherish what he has and, you know, thank you for his, uh, his commitment. And it was great that he uh, was there for a championship. Yeah. Loved him. One of my favorite players from that era. Absolutely. Who is your favorite player from the Eagles Super Bowl team? Oh. Probably say Brandon Graham just because of the last play. Yeah. Well, that, you know what? That's a perfectly great answer. Absolutely. Uh, I, had, Dr. I had a question for you guys. I don't know yeah. if you brought it up, but uh, I don't know if you guys are ever uh, voters for the Hall of Fame for baseball. What are your thoughts on uh, what happened over this week? Uh, that's, a, that's a fair question that I was certainly hoping to avoid today. Ray, you go first. Oh. <laughs> uh, I was not surprised. I kind of I kind of thought it was just going to be one guy. I thought it was going to be Ortiz. Um I would have I would have voted for Clemens and, and Bonds. I would have, um, but uh, I knew there wasn't going to be. Even though the vote count for those guys was was growing a little bit year by year, I didn't ever think they were going to quite get to the threshold. But if I had still been voting, and I haven't been voting for baseball Hall of Fame for a long, long time, but if I had been voting, I would have voted for them. Yes. Yeah, I think there's no win on this um, because yeah. they cheated, and and in my mind, in a certain way, they should be punished for the cheating, but. Listen, there's good reason to believe that Ortiz was part of that as well. So where do you draw the line? I don't know. It's really fuzzy. And if you have a Hall of Fame, which is a museum about your history, and the all-time home run leader is not in, the only what five-time Cy Young Award winner is yeah. not in, the all-time hits leader is not in, at a certain point it, it's no longer a museum about your, your past. So my answer is this. I think – and upon reconsideration, because I was a guy who once upon a time said I wouldn't vote for them, uh, and I don't think Rose should be eligible. And now, upon reflection and years of reconsideration, I think that players get in based on the merits of their play. However, the Hall should find a way to honestly discuss their sins. That's my opinion. Yeah, good point. All right. Doc, always a pleasure. All right. One last thing, just make sure if you shovel, use your legs, not your back. <laughs> now you tell me. <laughs> Thanks. All right, guys, have a good Could one. Could have used that advice a year ago, Doc. <laughs> have right. a good one, guys. Thank you, Be Doc. Be well. Yeah, well. Um, yeah, and Ray, you know, I mean, I told you earlier, there are NBA players who are voting that Ben Simmons should start the All-Star game, right? So that's ridiculous. Yep, yep. And we've always had those things where fans get to the vote for the All-Star team. It's like, what is this, a popularity contest? So I don't know who is really the person who should vote for any of these things. I don't know either. I don't know that I don't know if there is. I don't know that there is an easy answer. I don't know if there is an answer, period. I just it's it's just so at this point, so murky. But I was just thinking this week when the whole Bonds Clemens discussion was was out there, uh, I had exactly the same thought that you had. You're going to have baseball Hall of Fame and you're going to have the all time hits leader, the all time home run leader. And the all-time Cy Young Award winner are not going to be part of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Well, you know, is it really the Baseball Hall of Fame then? If right. if, if you're missing that much of your history, it's a it's a it's it's a very thorny question. It is, and I, I again, I mean, I think my solution is the best, of course, because it's my solution. But how do you feel about like okay, they get in, and they may not like the the players who get the honor may not like it, but at some Somewhere in there, this has to be discussed and displayed and mentioned. Yeah, I think that's a way, the way of dealing with it. I mean, that's how I feel about Pete Rose now. You know, I think, as we've said before, I mean, I, I think that he's kind of like almost like he served his time. 
You know, I mean, you made him wait this long. I think put him in, but put on his plaque the fact that he was suspended from baseball. I mean, mm-hmm. make it make it part of the record. Yeah. But honor him. But honor him for what he accomplished. I, cause I, I think that's the fairer way to do it. Yeah, I do. I do as well. All right. Uh, what do we got time? We got time for Bruce in D.C. Bruce, what's on your mind? Want to talk a little draft? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Hi, Great. Bruce. All right. Yeah. So good. Good discussion on the draft. I'm uh, really looking forward to it um, because the Eagles um, uh, need obviously need help in a lot of different areas and. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, the discussion, I, you know, about the draft and what um, that Howie's going to probably use all three picks. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think that he's going to take um, one of the picks, probably the 19th one, and trade back uh, out and reserve that one for next year because of the uncertainty around um, Jalen Hurts. I and so, I, you know what, I think that's not a terrible idea. Right. You have three I mean, picks. I'm yeah. I'm kind of with you, which and Ray, we've discussed. Hertz is my quarterback for now, right? But I don't know that I'm sold on him long term, right? Uh, if if the Eagles don't think any of the guys coming out this year are the guy, and I don't believe Russell Wilson's going to end up in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. then I think this idea, uh, Bruce's idea, that I'll take one of my picks and trade it to a team I don't think will do very well next year, and maybe that's where I draft my quarterback if I need to. Well, I think you'll yeah. have that oppor- I think you'll have that opportunity. I mean, with the, with that many picks, there'll be teams that aren't picking in the first round now mm-hmm. that have traded their picks that'll want to get into the first round and will offer you will offer you their pick next year. I mean, that you know, he's going to be his phone's going to be ringing with offers to do exactly that. And knowing how how he values those picks and he loves to always be looking one step ahead, right. I think that that's I think that's entirely likely. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that that would be the smart choice to do. And not that I'm – look, I love Jalen. Um, I want him to be here. I Hopefully he'll be our franchise quarterback. But in doing that, you hedge against that possibility. Yeah. That would be the smart thing to do. And if it does work out with Jalen, because I think part of the problem with him was – part of it was due to coaching, but he didn't. He had one and a half receivers to work with. And you took away Ertz, but we don't have to go through all of that. But Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, again, I don't have – you know, unless Russell Wilson says, hey, I want to come to Philadelphia and the Eagles can get me, you know, on the cheap, which I don't think any of that's going to happen. I don't – I'm with Hertz for now. Sure. And this this works for – for this gives me a possibility for the future. you got three draft picks. You can bank one. Hey, you got, right, I mean, Ray. you got a lot of picks. you got three in the first round, and you got – this is a perfect opportunity to rebuild the rest of your team and really, really get younger and a lot better on defense. we got to get out in 30 seconds. Can you tee up or tell us your story? Oh, yeah. Well, it's an easy one. I mean, it's, uh, it's Earl Monroe, who's a native of Philadelphia, graduate of John Bartram High School, was the second overall pick in the draft when he came out of college, went to the Baltimore Bullets and – was a leading scorer in the NBA and then got traded to the New York Knicks and was part of that legendary Knicks championship team there uh, and has made every all-time team that's been picked top 50 players of all time and I think formed perhaps the greatest backcourt of all time when he teamed with Clyde Frazier in New York. So he's a, a great guy and a great rock contour, and he has a great story, to, great Philly story to tell. He's our guest coming up next on Tell Us Your Story with Rain Glenn on 94 WIP. You know, if you're a Philly sports fan, then you need to check out my friends at Scheib Vintage Sports. They're your home for throwback sports apparel in Philadelphia. Locally owned, Scheib carries name brands as well as original designs by Philadelphia artists. So 
You think about all that great Philadelphia sports nostalgia, the A's, Veterans Stadium, Prism, Franklin Field, all of that stuff. You go to Scheib Sports and you can find it there. Next time you need some new gear before the game or you're looking for that perfect gift, head to Scheib Vintage Sports. Visit them at 13th and Walnut in Center City or online at ScheibSports.com and tell them that Ray sent you and you will get 15% off. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.